Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops. I'm your host. And today I am very excited to bring you an interview with author and website expert, Carol Beijing. Welcome to the show, Carol. Hi, Nathan. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited. I'm always excited to talk to you, and I get to see you um, fairly frequently, which is nice because we get to run into each other at um, conferences and such. And uh, frankly, I love it in, on your on your website. You talk about may have seen me before that you know that girl at the conference the, that we that you drank with. That was that's our experience. I, that's where I know you from, and it was legit. Yeah, that's how I I meet people normally. I'm the quiet yeah. one until I'm at the bar, and then I can chat. <laughs> The uh, liquid courage, you know, that you get, and that's that's great. Um, exactly. So I know you, of, of course, from having you know met you personally. But for anyone who doesn't know you, can you tell people a little bit about um, yourself as an author, and then maybe a little bit how you got into uh, web design? Okay, so I write under two pen names. One is erotic suspense, uh, but without dead bodies. It's more like a mystery, a guy looking for a girl. That mm. pen name is S M Pratt. It's not romance per se, it's more LGBT mystery. And uh, the other pen name is C.C. Jameson, and that's a police procedural mystery. It's the Kate Murphy mystery series set in Boston. And I've got the third book in that series that's going to be coming up very shortly, and I'm very excited about that one, A Serial Killer on the Loose in Boston, with a very strong religious theme. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, Boston's a pretty religious town, historically. I'm sure there's some... Some good material to work with there. <laughs> yeah. um, and where are you living now? Uh, right now, I'm in Playa del Carmen in Mexico. Okay. And um, so you've got you've been traveling a lot though. And um, how, how long have you been? Do you plan on, on staying there for a while? How do you yeah, like? Until I have to do a visa run. That's normally when I plan <laughs> my travels around visa run. Uh, in 2014, uh, I'm Canadian, French Canadian. Mm-hmm. I used to live in Calgary, Alberta, and it was one particularly bad winter. And I was working from home, doing web development and translation as well. And I just, I could be working on the beach. Why am I in here when it's so freaking cold? Yeah. And it, the winter lasted six months. Yeah. Six months without the snow melting. Yeah. I was like, that's it. I'm done. So I started yeah. selling my stuff. And then I started moving. So I've got a small suitcase and I travel. And I, I stick to Spanish-speaking countries because I'm yeah. working on my Spanish. So nice. that's my sideline goal. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm I am very envious. I love Mexico myself. I'm a huge Mexican food person, obviously, but I've also I've lived in Mexico for a few months myself and just loved it. I would love to love to be li- doing what you're doing. So I'm I'm super jealous. You can come visit anytime. <laughs> I, I would like that. Uh, I see David Goggin is walking wa- watching and hey, uh, David. Franklin Horton is watching. Kay is watching. Um, we had Jonathan Auerbach says hello. So hi to hey, everyone. Hey John, I worked on his site recently. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and I know um, we just. I was just chatting with David. I know he's running um, one of your themes as well. Yeah, David yeah, Gardner. yeah. So fantastic! So I'm glad we got some some uh, satisfied customers of your of your company. Go <laughs> create me. Um, yeah. Which I've got the logo up on the site, and we'll be chatting about that in a few minutes. But um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because you know you are a, a web design expert. You're, you've been building Go Create Me for a while and working on you know helping authors with websites. Um, can you tell people a little bit how you got into that space and why you decided that there someone needed to step up and design some author-based websites? Yeah, okay. So let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, in <clears throat> 2007, I think, is when I started building websites. And not, not for authors. I wasn't writing at the time. Mm-hmm. But I've always been building websites, first hard-coding HTML, you know, the old-fashioned way. 
And then I evolved to WordPress once I discovered it. And I've been working with WordPress, the platform, for, uh, I want to say, since 2009, developing websites for various clients, uh, mm. vineyards, uh, paint suppliers, like regular business clients, as well as personal websites for regular people, just uh, one solopreneur kind of thing. And I kept getting the same questions, the same, like, and then I kept repeating the same answers to all these people. Mm -hmm. And once I became an author, for me, it was easy to set up my site. But then I would meet people at conferences and they would bitching and complaining about the stuff they can't do with their site. Mm -hmm. And I know the pain of trying to find a theme that works. I know that pain. Yeah. Because people normally hire me to customize their, their themes so they can do whatever they want. Yeah. So like, okay, you know what? I know what an author needs in 2019. So why don't I just build that? And I've worked with authors like David Gogren. And just to get, like, I know what I want, but I don't know what everybody else wants, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's different genres, different things. Yeah. So I've chatted with different people and I've built what I think. Obviously, I'm biased. But what I think is a pretty powerful theme that authors can use and it's, it's pretty intuitive. Like, and I give instructions step by step. Just put in the information. And it's not the block builder. Block builders make me swear out loud. They're so bulky and people try to do something. And mm -hmm. even me, like when I try to overwrite their code, it's a big mess. Mm. So I just created something that's easy to use because I, I know the nightmare that it is. So yeah. I just wanted to help people in the ways that I can. Which is which is so much help. A lot of us don't want to be dealing with this. Actually, Tamalu Breck just commented. She says, uh, "Caro, so true. I'm a writer. I don't want to be doing this stuff." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that's the experience of a lot of authors and um, a lot of writers starting out um, may think, that, "Well, I'm just going to be selling my books online. Why can't I just rely on Amazon's website or the Kobo website? Why do I have to have my own website?" Um, can you answer that question? Well, it goes back to having your own platform and owning that platform. Mm -hmm. You may be selling books right now on Amazon, mm -hmm. but who's to say that you will be tomorrow? Maybe some mm -hmm. big name will just outrank you and nobody will ever find your books again. We all know how mm -hmm. it, like our ranking sticks and then it goes away. So mm -hmm. if you're just relying on Amazon to bring you traffic, you're not building your crowd. Mm -hmm. You're not being building your loyal reader fan, right? Yeah. So if you have a website, you can send traffic to your website from Facebook, from Twitter, like even from at the back of your books, mm -hmm. that can be your gathering point, your platform. And from there, you can collect new sub sub subscribers. You can do a bunch of stuff. You can sell your books direct. Mm -hmm. There's so many options. But a, a website is the hub where you control everything. It's your own turf. Yeah. Very concise answer. So <laughs> that, was, that was perfect. Thank you. Um, so what are some things that you see authors just starting out, especially doing wrong right out of the gate with their author websites? Um, I think uh, I was prepared to answer that with the ones that do something wrong okay. are the ones that have been in the business for a long time. Interesting. Uh, okay. Like they've been writers since the 1990s. Yeah. And at that point, they probably hired their niece or nephew to design their website. Yeah. Or maybe they did it themselves. And then they've got the, uh, they're still rocking the animated GIF. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> get a program. Um, yeah. Or they, they have the, uh, if you look at it on your phone, you have to keep, keep pinching and zooming to try to read. Mm. You can't, like, you can't do it. Yeah. So that's one half of the problem. The people with the outdated sites and they think, oh, I got a site that's good. It was good in 1994. Yeah. Not good anymore. You know, yeah. you've got to, <laughs> and then sometimes it's, it's fugly. Yeah. Uh, you want to make it a little prettier. Uh, the new authors, 
I think most of them just don't have one, and mm. that's a problem. And there's yeah. some easy solutions that don't cost a penny. Yeah. Um, Draft to Digital, their uh, books to read program mm -hmm. is fantastic. If people can't really cannot afford a website, they can't afford the ten dollars to buy a domain name or like free hosting with WordPress.com, mm -hmm. then at least get a books to read author page okay. and use that at the back of your books, right? Yeah. So you get author bio and the list of all your books. At least that's something. Yeah, we love the guys at Draft Digital. They're they're fantastic. So we'll we'll try to add yeah. a link link to them in the comments because um, yeah. that's that's great advice. Um, and also, they, what they don't do is they don't collect email addresses. And yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we have a hi from Lucy's score. So, uh, hey. hi, Lucy. Hey, Lucy. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for watching. Um, and a few other people watching. So, yeah, feel free to throw up your comments. If you have questions for, for Carol while you're watching, feel free to, to post them up, and I'll do my best to, to relay them uh, to her for you. Um, so, you mentioned, you know, I. The updating, having to update a lot. Um, I don't know if you noticed uh, that uh, Marvel, uh, for Captain Marvel and the upcoming movie, they actually built a website. Uh, the movie's based in the 1990s. So they actually built a 1990s website for cool. their marketing um, for this. And it was so fun to go back and look through all the different things from the 90s. And um, so it's probably a good tip if, if authors go and look at that website and find any of those things on their current website it might be a good reference. Time to yeah, yeah, it's time to update. <laughs> time to update. Um, but how often would you say that authors really ought to be? Maybe we have had a website for a few years, but how often should we be really diving into this and saying like, "Hey, hey, what what's new now that I need to update?" How often do you recommend people refresh? I mean. As a rule of thumb, normally every five years or so, mm. the new trends. The same thing with cover designs, right? Your book yeah. covers, they may be trendy now, but mm -hmm. five, five, six years from now, they may not be. You may need to revisit that. And yeah. I think websites are similar. Uh, right now, if your website is not responsive, if it's not mobile friendly, where it readjusts, you yeah. definitely need to revisit revisit that now. Yeah, that would be the the timeline. Um, yeah, every five, six years, and it doesn't need to be anything major. But sometimes just, you know, looking at the colors, do the fonts reflect the genre that you write in? Yeah. In a weird way, websites are like book covers. The, the fonts, the colors need to tell you that from the moment you land on your site. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. An excellent point about the, the mobile. Obviously, that has changed. I mean, we may have been having websites from the 90s, but we had smartphones since 2007, 2008, and that has changed everything about the way we interact with websites. Um, and uh, Jonathan actually posted up the link to the Captain Marvel retro website, which is fun. Oh, cool. uh, for anyone who wants to watch it, they can look in the comments and go visit that. And uh, Patrick O'Donnell is watching. Hi, Patrick. Hey, Patrick. He's the one proofreading my uh, my upcoming book. He's a cop. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we got uh, we got we got the cop in the house, and who can give us all of our all, all the things we're doing wrong about our our police procedurals. <laughs> so, hi, Patrick. Um, so yeah, so websites are, we've established they're, they're crucial when they need to be, uh, with the times. Uh, what are some things that you recommend when people are going out and researching and of how they want their website to look like how they're doing comparisons, to other authors, things like that. How do you recommend they do that research? Uh, well, first you need to factor in your budget mm -hmm. and how much work you're willing to do yourself, uh, and how much of a per perfectionist you are. So I think in terms of platforms, we've got um, WordPress, and WordPress is tricky because there's the .com and .org self-hosted, okay. and that's really hard. People, I always have to keep clarifying that thing. WordPress.com, um, 
they they basically host it for you. There's the free plan where you probably have mypennname.wordpress.com and you've got ads. If you upgrade to the next level up, I think you get rid of ads. You can also get your domain name. And then you need to upgrade two more levels to reach business level where you can really play with it, update, like upload your own plugins, upload your own custom themes. That's mm-hmm. the powerful WordPress.com. It costs, I think, $25 a month. Okay. So that's not the cheapest option. Hmm. Uh, if you like to get your hands dirty, a little bit dirty with code, you could self-host WordPress and you could pay probably three ninety-five a month, three dollars ninety-five, mm-hmm. with let's something like Bluehost shared mm-hmm. hosting. You yeah. put the WordPress installation there, and then you play with it as much as you want. Cheaper, but it's also not as powerful. It won't take care of automatic backups for you unless mm-hmm. you upgrade a little bit, or you could do them yourself. So it's not difficult, but you have to get in there and update, keep things updated, or else hackers will get in. Mm. WordPress powers a third of websites online now. So guess who they're trying to hack? Yeah. WordPress sites, and it's never personal. It's just automated. They look at, they can see, there's a website. I'm not going to share the link, but yeah. there's a website where you can see uh, whatever plugin, they know which one is outdated, and they can mm. see a list of all the sites running that outdated plugin. Oh, wow. Guess where they send their spam bots? You yeah. know, they just try to, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. So anyway, so that's WordPress.org. There's also Wix and Squarespace. Right. These two, you cannot be a perfectionist and use those because you cannot tweak it beyond what they offer. Mm-hmm. WordPress, I can get in there and play with the code and play with the CSS. The other two platforms, not so much. But if you're happy with the drag and drop and you like a theme and you like it as is, mm-hmm. then go for it. Yeah. So that's a good thing to assess is like what your skill level is, your interest level of how much you really want, and then of course you know what you really want it to look like. So <clears throat> you mentioned that you know obviously this has to suit your branding. Um, what are some things that we should be conscientious of in trying to match our website to our book covers, etc.? Any advice there on how to to develop a brand around my website? I think it's something, it depends on your level of um, how involved you are with your brand. Like if it's just your designer that does uh, book covers, Mm -hmm. and if you've got one designer that you always work with, and Mm -hmm. you write series in one genre, it's a lot easier Mm -hmm. than if you hire Fiverr designer here, other Fiverr designer there, and then you try to cobble together a website that's going to be cohesive, you're going to have a hard time. So at some point you need to, okay... Starting today, I'm being serious about my author business. I'm going to brand myself. This is what I'm going to stick with. You pick one particular font, and from this time forward, you keep using that same font for your author name, whether it's on a book cover or on your site. That's a good starting point. But sometimes it's impossible because the designer used a font that costs a lot of money, and you don't want to pay the royalties to use that font on your site. But, you know, you establish yourself. Fix something that works for your brand, and then use it everywhere in your ads so that the user's see something consistent. Mm-hmm. If they see an ad for you on Facebook or they see your book on Amazon, they will connect the dots. They will recognize your brand. Yeah, that's smart. Um, Franklin commented, he said, listening to, hey, Carol, listening to Carol reminds me that I've not followed up on all the website tips she shared with me at Nink. It's easy to focus <laughs> on books and forget about that other face of our business. Good timing, Nathan. All right, yeah, it is It is nice to get this reminder every once in a while. Be like, oh, yes, website. Website needs some attention. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people have been interested in hearing what you have to say because we love to hear from an expert who knows what they're doing. 
and really, if, if it's set up right, the website should not take that long to update. Uh, for example, the premium thing that I offer, what I do, I take care of the hard work of making it look right. So mm -hmm. I will look at your covers, I will look at what you've got, I will set up the branding for you. Mm -hmm. I will not populate all of your books because some people have 50, 100 books. I cannot yeah. do that. But I will give you instructions. You can populate all your books. Once everything is populated, the upkeep is easy. Because let's say you publish a new book. It's just part you add that extra task in your flow. Okay, I'll create a page on my site for this book. Include all the retailer links. Copy the blurb. Start including praise. It could just be a routine thing. You add a new book. Your series page, add the latest book. That's it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. When you, when you talk about the functions of a website... What would you say are the most essential author tools that, or, or website tools that your author website really must have at, you know, in today's marketplace? I think it, it will depend on what the writer's goals are. Mm -hmm. uh, I will also give a general answer, but let's say um, somebody really wants to get a contract with one of the big trad houses. I know they're still stuck in the thing that you need to have so many Twitter followers, so many Facebook followers. If you're that author, then you will probably want your website to direct people to your social platform so that the big publishers see that you have a platform that way. But mm. for most self-publishing authors or the big pub houses that now see the, the, the importance of other things, collecting uh, newsletter subscribers, I think that's the number one thing. Because once you have them on your list, mm -hmm. you, have, you can con contact them anytime you want if you need more reviews. If you've got a new book out, you know, like they're they're part of your tribe at that point. So that would be my number one for most author, trying to get um, newsletter subscribers. And there's different ways to do that. Mm -hmm. Some people do a pop-up. I personally don't like them, so I never include them in my theme. But uh, that's something that people can add a plug-in and deal with pop-ups. But I recommend a slideshow, the very first slide that connects to maybe a book funnel download link. Mm -hmm. And that way you take care of collecting the email address and delivering the freebie. I yep. love BookFunnel. They're a fantastic yeah. service. And uh, I don't think they, they charge enough for what they do. Uh, I seriously love them. Yeah. Uh, and They're also, fantastic. you could do that. You could also promote your latest book. So for me, it's a slideshow with unlimited slides in my Parallax theme. So depending on what authors do, like some, some authors write in different genres altogether. So I say use a different slide per genre and then direct people that way. But mm. always use the newsletter you want yeah. to collect subscribers yeah yeah absolutely and what do you think in terms of design when it comes to pages versus you know continuous scrolling do you think that there's an advantage to, to one way or the other as far as making people have to click on things versus just we're so used to just scrolling these days oh well i'll answer this uh i've been in this business for a long time Back when SEO was super important, mm -hmm. having separate pages served a purpose because mm -hmm. every page would be optimized for one particular URL, one key phrase. Mm -hmm. So having multiple pages was useful. Having the long scrolling page also at one point was a bad idea because it took forever to load. Mm -hmm. But now we've got lazy loading, so it just loads as you keep scrolling. So I don't think there's really a big advantage or disadvantage to each. But personally, I like to have things organized. So if a reader comes to my site, I need it to be clear. Like, these are my books. This is about me. This is, and whether it's a click and then it takes people further down or it's, it takes them to a different page, it's up to you. Mm -hmm. uh, both have their advantages, disadvantages. But as long as it's clear, so put yourself in the, in the reader's shoes. 
go to your site like am I here can I do what I want to do when I get here mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the idea of sort of the, the squeeze page or landing page first versus going straight to a home page on a website uh, I love landing pages or squeeze pages are super important but I always want to clarify with people that you don't always control which page people will land on. Mm. For example, if I'm opening a tab and I'm Googling you, maybe I will land on your About page. Depending mm. on what Google tells me, and I yeah. click on this particular link, I may land on your About page. Yep. But sometimes you control the flow of traffic. If you've got a Facebook ad, you know where you're sending people. Do send people to a squeeze page or a landing page. Mm-hmm. And that page should not have anything else no navigation, no footer, no sidebar. Just get whatever. If you're giving them a free book, give them the free book or get their newsletter mm-hmm. subscription thing. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a that's a smart tip. You know, because we don't always know where everyone's coming from. What are some tools that you recommend or ways for people to leverage that information? If you, how can we find out where people are coming from? How can we use that oh. information to benefit ourselves? Yeah, I know some people are opposed to tracking. Uh, Google knows a lot about us and Facebook too. Mm-hmm. But why not just take part of that too? Do learn as much as you can about your readers. Then it makes it easier for you to market your books. Google Analytics, uh, if you just Google Google Analytics, you'll find it. It's free. You sign up for that. They give you a little snippet. You can put that on any website. doesn't matter if you're with Wix, Squarespace, WordPress. Put that code in your on your website. And include that in your privacy policy. Do tell people that you mm. do collect some kind of tracking information. Google will tell you what country they're from, what page they came into, where they went after. Like, There's a lot of information there. You could seriously spend weeks just looking at the data that it collects. And the second thing you want to do is the Facebook pixel. It doesn't cost you anything. You just put another snippet. Once again, doesn't matter who you're with. Just put that code in there, and then Facebook will allow you to target those people, saying, okay, I know they've already come to my site. I've got this new book out. Let's market to these people. Mm. I think that's quite important in this day, day and age where we have to market to sell books. Yeah, and I think that's important, too, to, to know when you're going after cold leads versus already previously warm leads, You know how you're exactly. writing your copy. You can rephrase your marketing message. Yeah, you can yeah. be a little more friendly. They already know who you are. You know that they know who you are. Um, yeah. It's an entirely different message in that case. Um, yeah, so that's that's important. Um, we talked about we kind of like tracking a little bit, obviously. Um, what are some other essentials that you think people should be paying, maybe aren't paying attention to some of these behind-the-scenes things that um, maybe they can kind of level up their current website? Maybe they've got one that functions. Maybe it has some, some subscriber you know, setups. What are some things, ways we can just sort of level up our current website? I think there's a few things that uh, they may be to improve the user experience as well as to protect yourself uh, would be two ways I would answer that question. Because hackers, like I said, they do uh, aim for WordPress sites. Always, always keep things up to date and always run backups and mm. take backups of your backups. Uh, I have a free video that explains how to do that for WordPress on my site. I can share that link. It, it just takes a little bit of time and then you have that as a backup plan if somebody does hack your site. So that's always good. Always keep everything up to date. And if people uh, are on WordPress.org and they updated yesterday to 5.1, now they will even tell you if your PHP is out of date. PHP is the language used to program WordPress sites. Hmm. So that's nice of them to now tell us that because the language itself has some vulnerabilities. So 
do make sure you go to your hosting upgrade. I think 7.2, most hosting should at least support that, maybe 7.3% hosting. Um, And the other thing I wanted to say is images. Mm. A lot of author websites, I go to their sites, and before I start working on their site, I just take a backup for my own peace of mind in case something goes wrong. And then I look at the size of the backup, and I'm like, oh, why is it so big? And it's I look at their media, and then I yeah. see they've uploaded a, a cover image that's four megabytes. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, and that's uh, and they're trying to display that image to the mm-hmm. reader. Yeah. And I'm right now I'm in Mexico. I was in Nicaragua, waiting for an image that's four megabytes <laughs> to come. And no, just yeah. help yourself. Save your images for the web. There's uh, one service called I think it's PickResize.com. Okay. You upload your image there, and then you say. Uh, make it whatever width. You don't need it to be bigger than the space it uses. So mm-hmm. don't go anywhere. I think the largest images I use for background are nineteen twenty pixels wide. Oh, so wow. don't try to upload an image that's 50,000 pixels wide. Like nobody's going to use that yeah. unless yeah. you're doing a, a specific for media only. They need the high res print version of your cover, you know. Yeah. Um, so do optimize all of your images before uploading them. Yeah. Your backups will be much smaller. The people viewing your site, the, the site will be much faster when pages load. You know, that's a small thing. Mm-hmm. And I realize um, resaving all of your images is a big pain. There are some plugins that do that if you're with WordPress. But getting in the habit of optimizing your images or asking your designer to provide you with save for the web images that you can mm-hmm. upload to your site yeah. will make a big difference. Because so I think and then talking to the designer might be a great idea because a lot of people, of course, are just taking the file that they just got in the email straight from their designer and then it's, you know, 300 DPI. It's, 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 a, it's the, the poster size of their cover and then they're loading that to everything. And then yeah. they wonder why everything runs so slow. And I've, I've been that guy in the past where I'm like, I don't know how to resize this image. And, you know, it's worth learning for sure. Um, yeah. But sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Like if you're not a web exactly. designer... You don't know what yeah. size anything is. Like you see a picture, you see one picture and another picture, and they look the same to you, even though they're completely different. Um, yeah, and, and same thing with Google Fonts. Uh, mm. Like back in the days, we only had I want to say fourteen fonts to pick from, like Arial, Times New Roman, Helvetica. Like there was only so many that both Mac and PC had that we could use on websites. Yeah. But now with Google Fonts, people can go crazy and use all sorts of fonts. Fantastic. But you should not be using too many of them because then mm. it slows down your site because you're importing all of these fonts. So, you know, don't go crazy. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. Um, David Gogren actually posted up a tool for optimizing images. And uh, so he shared that for the in the comments. Perfect. So, Thank so you, fantastic. We always love a good uh, resource in the comments. Yeah. Um, those of you listening to the podcast, definitely go over to Facebook and check out the comments for this episode because it's going to be um, full, <laughs> full of interesting stuff. I do have a link um, to the article David posted about your uh, service, which was great. Um, and, of course, we'll have a, a link to... Um, gocreate.me as well in the comments. So if anyone's interested in this particular service that Carol provides, then we'll definitely have a link there as well. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was um, the tougher question of where do you see the future of websites going? Uh, how do we as authors start to prepare for the next big thing? Like we had to, wa- we had to now adapt to smartphones. What do you think is, is the next thing that maybe we want to keep an eye out for? I think accessibility will keep becoming more and more important. By that I mean uh, hearing impaired, vision impaired people still need mm. to access websites and possibly more and more uh, video and audio will be 
part of websites. Now mm. that the, the networks are getting better globally, the speed at which people can stream things will get better. So I think, I think that's coming. And I should say, uh, that's not in my, uh, on my site yet, but thanks to Jonathan, uh, now my theme does support we can embed an audio excerpt or a book trailer from YouTube as part of each book page. Oh, wow. So I think I'm excited about that. If people have that, it's optional. They don't have to do it. But mm -hmm. I think that's cool. And I should specify to the authors listening, never upload the video to your site. Mm -hmm. Upload it to YouTube, to Vimeo, to some other video provider. That way the bandwidth, they're taken care of. If mm. you try to upload it to your own site and let people watch it from your own shared server, uh, that's a really bad idea. The site is going to be turtle slow for everybody. Uh, so, yeah, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, another good tip. Yeah, well, these are the things that, that the rest of us just don't know sometimes. So, um, As far as resources go, like if someone is interested in learning some of the nitty-gritty details of this, and especially as authors, sort of just the kind of the essentials that maybe authors should figure out besides obviously speaking directly to you, which is a, a wonderful, you're a wonderful resource. Any other resources out there that you can think of? Uh, it depends on how much they want to learn. Um, I will, I, I will aim to put more resources on my site and I try to put video to explain basic things. Mm -hmm. uh, but any, there's a lot of um, HTML, you could learn a little bit about HTML, CSS, uh, these would be the two languages I would learn first, but uh, don't don't waste time doing that. Really, do what you do best: write books, right? right? And yeah. leave the web development and design to somebody that knows what they're doing, and go write more books. Yeah, that yeah. would be my tip, really. That is that is solid advice. Um, we do have your um, email address up, and so and also we have the your logo for GoCreate.me for everyone who's listening to the audio. Um, maybe we can refresh their memory on how, how do people connect with you? If they want to speak to you personally, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you, etc.? Uh, I'm a person who avoids social media during long periods of time, so do not try to reach me on Facebook. I may ignore you for weeks. It's not personal. Okay. Yeah. Email. Email me at uh, caro at creativecs.ca. That is the best way to reach me. There's okay. also a contact form on gocreate.me. If you scroll all the way down, there's a, a, a link that connects you to that, and that's the best way to contact me. All right, fantastic. And if anyone is um, watching this replay later, uh, if you have comments and you, for, for Carol and you want to throw them up in the comment section, we'll try, try to do our best to uh, answer those questions for you as well. Um, and if you're listening to the podcast, you know, feel free to stop by the, the episode to get some of these great links. And um, if you want to reach out to, to Caro directly, of course, definitely use the email. Um, yeah. Caro, it has been a pleasure getting to hang out with you. Uh, I look Always forward, a pleasure chatting with you. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to the next conference when we get together and, and have another drink together at, at the bar um, as that usual. That sounds awesome. And uh, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. And we will see you again uh, next week for another great episode. All right, thank so you. Long.